Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. It's Nerdist Podcast number 358. I'm in a bathroom on a train from Edinburgh to London. Because i got to record the intro, and I didn't want to do it at the seat because we have some communal seating. So I'm in the bathroom, not going number two or anything. Maybe there was a bit of number one. Uh, kind of cleaner than an airport bathroom. i got to say, kind of cleaner. Oh, train stopping. Uh, I think we're in Newcastle. This episode is brought to you by Stamps... I'm going to make this fast. Uh, Stamps.com. It's a post office in your computer. Like, it's the future. Like, I'm... <laughs> the future, like, I'm recording <laughs> in a train bathroom. I hope there's no one out there that can hear this, because they're going to think I'm some kind of crazy terrorist or something. If you, uh, if you need to print out postage, you want to stay away from the post office, do it. You can print out the exact postage you need, put it right on your parcel or letter, postman will come pick it up, or postwoman, postal carrier, uh, and then you won't have to leave your house if you don't want to. And it kind of looks professional, too. i got to be honest. It looks cooler if you get the exact postage, because it means you went the extra mile. And it makes you look more diligent. And then uh, more work will fall into your lap. So uh, don't wait. Before you do anything else, go to stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter the promo code NERDIST. You're going to get $55 of free postage and a bonus scale. That's about a $110 offer using the promo code. So that is stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST as we pull into the Newcastle station. This is Tony Hale, who, uh, by the way, he's got two things premiering this coming weekend, if you're listening to this the week that it comes out. May 25th, Sanjay and Craig, which is the uh, animated cartoon on Nickelodeon that I am on with Tony Hale and Malik Pincherly and uh, Chris Daly and Linda Cardellini and uh, Kunal Nayar. And also uh, Arrested Development comes back to Netflix on May 26th, uh, which we're super excited about it. And he's on Veep. Uh, so this guy is uh, a powerhouse of quality entertainment. And uh, this one kind of had a fun, hostful vibe to it which I always enjoy when we don't know someone and they come in and just kind of fit in with the group. So here you go, Nerds Podcast number 358 with Tony Hale. And I apologize that I recorded this in a bathroom, but it's on a fancy train from Edinburgh to London. So it's like, um, it's like a, like a, like a, it's like a solid gold bathroom, spiritually. I'm going to go back to my seat and have some tea and some type of biscuits. <laughs> I'm sorry. I made cookies. Now entering Nerdist.com
made some weird web series here that I didn't know about. None of us did. <laughs> you know, I just walked in and saw there was a man dressed as Batman and then a girl in a bikini. And I was like, what's happening? Are you recording? Is it? It's actually not unusual for this that's space. Not, that's not unusual for this it's place. No. This it's a, you have, have, if you want headphones, headphones, yeah, there is. <laughs> no, no, just put them on your mic. It's fine. They, that's how they work. What do these do on your ears? <laughs> what are these magic listening oh, cans? Oh, my word. And yeah, you can turn it up here. Oh, if fantastic. If you want to. Tony Hale. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Tony and I have been working on... Uh, now, we're, we're both on this Nickelodeon show called Sanjay and Craig, but we never get to record I together. I know. I Actually, I do you just record by yourself? I just yeah. Record by Is myself. that typical yeah. now, or they're just doing animation it depen- like it that? It depends on the production. When I did Barnyard, we would record as a cast, yeah. because they liked having us do at, like a passive improv, which was usually filthy and they couldn't use, but... Yeah. Um, but on a lot of other shows, they kind of do. Sometimes they record Malik and I together. Yeah, and at the first time around, they brought us all together. Yeah, that that first read, and that was fun. But since then, it hasn't happened. I think for for a lot of productions, they are too, particularly with a cast like this, between you and Malik and my schedule and Linda's schedule and and mm-hmm. Kunal's schedule and mm-hmm. Crystalia's schedule. I think they're just like we're not even going to try. Yeah. to get everyone at the same time. It's a really fun idea, though. It's great. Yeah, because you when you get to do improvised passes. Even if you don't use any of the material, it just it just kind of tightens the cast in yeah. a way, and you kind of get yeah, yeah, yeah. playful and fun. Do you go to Nickelodeon to, to record? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's fun. Nickelodeon's great. I've been recording stuff there for, like, almost 10 oh, years. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah no, you're, Nickelodeon. I mean, you're making some bake. <laughs> okay. uh, we're not, we're not making SpongeBob money. <laughs> Only Tom Kenny is. Only Tom Kenny. But that take, yeah. I think I read a, uh, I think I heard somewhere that SpongeBob, just by itself, is worth about a billion dollars a year to Nickelodeon. Come on. And yes. so the same with Dora the Explorer. It's about a billion dollars a year. So it takes four years, and then they're worth a Star Wars. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, four, four years of SpongeBob is a Star Wars. <laughs> well, that's because nice. that's Lucas sold. Yeah. Uh, right. You don't have to explain Disney the joke. For, they know. I, I don't the know. audience is aware. Joke. All right. Well, yeah. I will. <laughs> I will say there is a magic formula to Dora. Like my daughter was obsessed with it. Like there's something about because you think about it and you're like this child is alone in the forest <laughs> with without, a monkey with a monkey <laughs> without her parents. A magical man. Just having an adventure. Yep. You know, I would, who would send their daughter out? You go find this in the forest, the dark forest, and maybe a mountain. I wonder how many kids just left home uh, with, with their pack, pink w- backpack, w- with a pink backpack and a stuffed monkey, and they're like, Hi, "Bye!" And the then parents you find like, out, "You have fun." <laughs> and they find out their and they, their kid turns up in Venezuela. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Where, where did you go? Exactly. But really thought you were going to say Venice Beach. I don't know why. Ve- or Venice Beach. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's very similar. Um, uh, but uh, the the character of Mr. Nudeman is. Uh, mm-hmm. There was there was one episode where it got really deep with yeah, him. It did. It did. He well, my character is you play Craig, a who's snake. The, who's snake, and my character is Mr. Nudman, who's just this really awkward guy who has this pet cat who he calls Lady Butterscotch, <laughs> <laughs> and he also has an unhealthy relationship with blueberries. With blueberries, which is, uh, yeah. He calls them bluebies. He has like this weird yeah. cellar of blueberries. Yeah, that he takes very good care of, and he's terrified of snakes. And so, and you and uh, Correct. Uh, you and um, Sanjay live next door, and so then it's just kind of nutty. But but rather than being just a one-dimensional character who's just a cranky next-door neighbor, oh yeah, you really like yeah. you get a peek behind the yeah. curtain and you see like his father used to scare him, the, to basically scare the <laughs> yeah. shit out of him with snakes. snakes. Yeah, 
And there's a whole episode where his father, you see his father at, the, at a picnic, yeah. and he's so like emotionally abused. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and he kind of goes in the corner with his blueberries and just weeps. <laughs> it is a funny children's cartoon. Oh, it's hilarious. It sounds hilarious. <laughs> but it's really well done. In the, it's in really the... <laughs> well done. Yeah, it really is, actually. It should be a title card at the end. If your father is bothering you with snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Let this be a message to you. Go to nickjr.com. Hi, I'm Chris Hardwick. I play Craig. This is Malik Pancholi. He plays uh, Sanjay. If you're abused by snakes, get help. <laughs> the more you know. But such great guys that are doing it. I mean, they're just they're just normal, cool guys that I think they're doing like 40 of them or something. Yeah, just working yeah. their butts off for it. Yeah, it's fine. And it premieres in a couple of weeks from now. Yeah. I don't know, May 25th. May 25th, I Yeah, think. May 25th, yeah. Uh, Saturday morning. Tune Saturday. in, kids. Tune in. To Nickelodeon. Yeah. Uh, what else are, are besides, well, I mean, I'm. <laughs> what else are you doing? Besides. <laughs> we know. We're, we're, we're aware. <laughs> but uh, what are you, what are you working on at the moment? Uh, I'm, well, well, I just finished Veep. And yeah. then um, right now we're just kind of doing a lot of fun stuff for Arrested Press because that's coming out in on May 26th and then doing press for Veep and it's I was gone for uh, about four months doing Veep so now being home with the family and my daughter and just kind of that's what's that's what I'm loving gone in beautiful Baltimore yes <laughs> yes <laughs> is that where you were shooting yeah which I actually didn't mind it I thought it was I had great restaurants and I, I kind of liked it I didn't mind it mind it Kumail liked it when he went out yeah, I no, Baltimore's. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'll, I'll, yeah. I went once when I was in eighth grade because we did the DC trip, and then like they let a bunch of eighth graders go into Baltimore, and then we ended up at a <laughs> at a Hooters with a waitress named Skittles. <laughs> what? what? That's happening? what I remember. That was your door experience. Yeah, I know. It's, it's our adventure. <laughs> bunch of kids from Lowell end up at a Hooters with a. Wow. Waitress named Skittles. <laughs> First taste, of all, taste the rainbow. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> Awkward. For you, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida. Oh my, wow! I, my, my dad was in the army, and so we traveled around a lot. And then he, when he retired in Tallahassee, Florida, that's where we stayed until through high school and stuff. Florida. Uh, my dad had retired to Florida for a little while, and then sort of unretired. Yeah. After, after a little while, he was like, my dad. When my dad was seventy, he's like, I'm. I'm not comfortable that I'm the youngest person on my block. <laughs> and so he, he basically just went back to Memphis and continued working. Wait, so you were raised where? Uh, well, I I was raised in Memphis primarily, but then I lived in Florida for a while too, in Denver and oh, Arkansas okay, yeah. and California, and like my my family moved a lot too. Oh yeah. Um. So I'm I'm familiar. But did you grow up on army bases? Yeah, because we lived in Germany for five years when I was really little, and then. Uh, but we're not starting in the seventh grade is where we started living in Tallahassee. So that's what I remember the most is in Tallahassee. Honestly, I don't remember that much sixth grade down. I just I don't. I don't. You're like speaking. I feel of like abuse. something's repressed. Were there snakes? Yes, there were German snakes. Um, I did, my brother's the same way. I just don't have that much of a memory. I mean, he he does not. I don't know if we were moved around so much that I just nothing stuck. Every time I start thinking about it, I vomit uncontrollably. I don't know. <laughs> no, but it's fine. <laughs> it's mine. Why it's is Tony fine. vomiting now? Um, but I don't know. I just don't. But seventh grade is when we stayed in one place is where I began to remember. <laughs> this sounds like a bad Oprah episode. And then what happened? Then, well, I'll tell you. And then in seventh grade, so seventh grade was Tallahassee, Florida. Yeah. And then were you always, was it uh, was it acting or comedy that sort of drew you? 
Uh, it was acting, and then there was this place called Young Actors Theater in the town that was kind of outside of the high school, middle school, and that's where I started doing shows and um, really cheesy, like, <laughs> we had this, I mean, fun at the time, but, like, musicals, and then, like, we had things, something called Studio Singers, where we were, it was, like, a really bad show <laughs> choir, and we had, like, glittery blue vests, and, oh. <laughs> and we had this whole America theme once, and, but it, at the time, it was just, like, we're, go- I remember one time, we were, like, guys, we might go to the Tonight Show. Like <laughs> <laughs> to be on, or just go? I'll, t- I'll tell you, it's gonna be, we're gonna be found, we're gonna be discovered. <laughs> I mean, this is it. This it's is got, it, It's guys. gonna happen. And just, oh, Have man. you seen the vests? <laughs> Have you? Come on. <laughs> that should take us to the top. Well, that's, that, Those will blend right in with the multicolored curtain of The Tonight Show. <laughs> but that's, but so that's funny, it. But it's so, it's so funny is to, to hear that and then just sort of know that the the kind of the spirit of a show like Arrested oh, I know. just completely embraces <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. glitter vests. Totally. But it was, I mean, I, that's, that was a big thing of the acting in high school. And then college, I did not, I didn't pursue, I, I studied journalism. And then where'd you I, go? Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. It's so close to Stanford. Not Stanford. So I, know. So I, know. So I know. I know. I know. I know. So close. I mean, you I do know. say it fast, Sometimes. just so people. Yeah, I go to Samford. Samford. <laughs> oh, you went to, st- you went to Stanford? Well, okay. So, what's your name again? <laughs> oh, <laughs> my name is Stanford. Oh, really? Yeah. What's your favorite food? Stanford. Oh, shoot! I just can't get away from it. <laughs> this is Stanford. Working out the way I wanted it. To. Now I'm turning That's into okay. like a, like I a, like apples. Now I'm turning into a bad '80s cartoon character whose name is Stanford who can only say the word Stanford. Like that was the, <laughs> what '80s cartoon were you watching don't you remember like if you watch like uh, uh thundercats snarf like most okay. of the time he said snarf yeah. or there were there were other characters like and then uh, that orc. was that was a convention yeah. of 80s cartoons is that one character oh starbucks has arrived hello here comes tony's tea and chris's uh, chai what okay. happening monica moon hello, hello. thank you very much wait no that's that's Taz, awake tea for katie what is it what is it Give, give me, give me, give me, Zach, give me, give me the fucking. Oh, that took you too long. Thank and you now so the much. Nerdist podcast receives their coffee uh, from Starbucks. Mm. Thank you, Monica. Ooh, what did you get? I got an iced venti americano. Thanks, oh, Mon Moon. Awfully, Rob. Do you want some of mine? Oh my god, I feel so. I feel all okay again. Do you? Would you say there's a significant difference from when you don't you don't drink caffeine and when you do? No, well, a little bit, but I, I can't really. drink. I have one. It's pounding headaches if I'm not drinking caffeine. I can't, drink, I can't yeah. drink coffee yeah. caffeine because uh, coffee makes me uh, incredibly anxious and nauseous. So yeah. I get jittery if I drink caffeine. Is that your first caffeine of the day or is that your second? Uh, I had a cup this morning. You had a cup this morning. Yeah. So you get headaches. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. If it's like 3 o'clock and I have had a coffee, I just caffeine yeah, I, I am just like... Yeah, I'm sure I'm addicted. Whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Pour, pour yeah, a nice cup. Of, there are worse things you could be addicted to. Put a nice cup of coffee in my Fraser mug this morning. Aww. Sat down. <laughs> what an image. <laughs> Matthew oh, man. loves Fraser. When Fraser I mean, went to Netflix, oh god, it was like the greatest. All 264 <laughs> episodes, Tony. He fucking. Oh god. <laughs> Life is good again. <laughs> oh, oh, Daphne, won't they ever get together? Oh, they Ross. do. Season eight. I know. Wait, I really? Know. Was it 264 episodes? It really was. That is 11 seasons. Come 
on. That's amazing. I mean, when you really think about, and you know as, as an actor who's been on shows, how hard it is just to get one hit show. Yeah. It's hard to be on one hit show, then to spin that off, yeah. a spinoff, yeah. and then have Kelsey. Kelsey Grammer holds the record with the lead of Gunsmoke for consecutively playing the same character in live action for 20 years. Oh, my God. I'm oh, sorry, 21 years. <laughs> he played wow. Frasier all the way through Cheers and then into Frasier. That's and the phrase is still running. Correct? Yeah, it runs all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's the doing. Money. He's doing fine. That even, was even after the divorce. He got fine. in on. He got in under the sitcom wire where it was like they were still getting those fucking crazy syndication. Yeah. Well, because there was only four networks. Yeah. at the oh, time. Man. Plus the last two seasons, he was getting over a million an episode. <laughs> <laughs> but those is he happy? Are... <laughs> is he happy? I think he's fine. doing all right. <laughs> Seems fine. <laughs> yeah, he'll get married, get someone pregnant, divorce him, marry someone else. Okay. You know, like, Tony, we asked you here to help us get Kelsey Grammer on the podcast. <laughs> That's so great. This is going to do it. This is going to do it. What's your favorite Kelsey Grammer anecdote? Oh, I'll tell you. <laughs> Episode 215. Uh-huh. Uh, He's like, yeah, okay. It's season eight. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, that's phenomenal. Wait, so you're saying Frasier ran for 11 seasons. Yeah. Not, so Cheers ran for 10, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Holy cow. For at l- nine or 10. Yeah, no, at least 10, yeah. It got into the double digits. I uh, haven't seen his uh, uh, boss. Boss was good. It got Is canceled, it oh, but it, it was very good. But he was very good in that. I also enjoyed him as Beast in that last X. I movie. thought he did a really nice job. As he Beast. did do a good job. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, that was that was that was perfect for his. Uh, yeah, and yeah, and also sideshow Bob. Like, yes, he's really. Yeah, I yeah. will say I remember watching that X Men and and there's that moment of like, is that Kelsey Grammer? Like as soon as he talks, you're like, like, yeah. yeah. It really surprised me. They should have brought in a smaller, lighter blue beast to be his (laughs) his brother. (laughs) His brother. (laughs) (laughs) On uh, on the Simpsons, uh, Sideshow Bob's brother is played by David Hyde Pierce, Pierce, and their father is played by John Mahoney. Yeah, that was in the Simpsons canon. Do you kind of do you do you think those sitcom days are over? Like the, the the days of the mega sitcom. Uh. I don't. I, I don't think they're over because the Big yeah. Bang Theory is still one That's of those true. mega That's sitcoms. True. But it's all... literally the only one. Well, that and Two and a Half Men. Oh yeah, you're right. Cashless and Chuck Lorre has checks. both of them. Cash all those CBS checks. ones kind of become those. How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, that's um, true. I do. What I'd miss is, I mean, something I was obsessed. I was obsessed with the Carol Burnett Show when I was a kid. Oh, so good. And Tim Conway was like such an idol for me. So that's what I miss. I miss that vibe. Of just stage, and then they would always make each other crack up. You get it a little bit with SNL, but now, did you prefer Dorf on fishing or golf? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Can anyone choose? Really, uh, I, I really those like Tim Conway was such a fucking legend. Yeah, on he that is. Show. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he still He's is. Still He's still alive. Do you ever meet him? I have met him. I have met him. I met him two years ago. And that was a really because I mean I look at him as in a time when, you know, typically with those kind of shows everything you know, I would say there, there was a lot of broad comedy, but he was broad, but he was still so subtle. Like he would just do like a movement of his body, and it was hilarious. He just trusted that the circumstances are crazy enough, so I don't have to push. I mean, he would walk so slow across that stage, and that ca- I mean, it was just like, and he would do small things, and it was hilarious, you know. And I think same you, with Bob Newhart's the same way. I but thought. you can see that with you when you're playing Buster with those 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 movements. That when you fucking the line you, that kills me, the way you delivered it is uh, a bird flew in my window. Oh, you're so upset. <laughs> so fucking Why funny. Are you making fun of that. It was amazing. That was a rough day for Buster. <laughs> <laughs> it was sad. You think Buster would have a little compassion? <laughs> he took a broom to the chandelier. Yeah. 
<laughs> he was like, I'm going to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was that someone put together a, uh, uh, a a video on YouTube of all of the moments where uh, uh, they suggested who your father was and like with oh, the music, <laughs> there was like that, like oh, yeah, that weird, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, with Uncle um, um, Oscar, 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 good, yeah, good, good pull, yes, good pull. Um, yeah, it was that, and and I remember, and what I remember about watching the show was. I don't know if I ever really picked up on that, but then when you see it all laid out one after another, yeah. it's fucking hilarious. And I know. That's one of the genius things about that show is that you could watch the show, you could watch an episode five times and pick up a new, it, it literally is like a Dora episode for yeah. adults. You could it pick is. up a new thing every time you watched it. It was the Frasier of its time. Swiper, no swiping. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, I remember the, uh, there was one time when we were doing some scene and there was like a post-it on the refrigerator that was a joke of a callback from episodes before. And that had nothing to do with the writing. That had nothing to do with... You know, the actors or anything, it had to do with art direction. So it was like everybody was kind of on the same page with his jokes and his vision, which was, you know, super fun. Yeah. Well, I know, uh, I know Jim Vallely pretty well. And, oh, man. And that, he's the best. That guy is just going to lunch with him oh, is yeah. one of the best shows that you could ever. He's so goddamn funny. He's funny and just so sweet. Like, he's a really sweet guy. And him and Mitch are just a great partnership. Well, I liked, uh, in, in, in the 80s, he and Jonathan Schmack were this comedy team called the Funny Boys. Oh, wow. And they did stand-up together. And they just used to do this insane, uh, super high-energy, really broad comedy act together that I fucking loved. Where can you find that? Um, they were on, I think they were on the first annual Rodney Dangerfield, or maybe it wasn't Dangerfield at that point. They were on the first Young Comedian special for HBO, one of the first, like the first or the second one. And it's like 1980 or 81, and they're in a small club in New York. I don't remember which one, maybe like Catch a Rising Star or something. But anyway, it's, it's just, it's, it's that moment where comedy is about to boom and it's already started a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. and the energy in the room is amazing and all the comics are yeah. you know they fucking destroy and the people just yeah. have fucking 80s mustaches and <laughs> it just it looks like shitty ones. video <laughs> yeah. well they're yeah. carrying it over they're yeah, carrying yeah, it yeah. over this was the 70s on. mustache yeah. yeah it's an 80s mustache um, but uh, yeah, Valley is I wonder if I can find that on YouTube you, probably, you can find that on YouTube yeah you, you, you can, can find it. anything on YouTube yeah yeah um, literally anything almost anything what can't you find? I've done some shows that didn't make the YouTube curve. Why don't you say them now, and then we'll see if someone can upload them. No. <laughs> I will not. Right. I don't need YouTube to be more of a graveyard of my failures. <laughs> Do you Hearing you talk about kind of the 284 episodes of Frasier. And 264, Tony. 260, I so You gave it another apologize. season. You gave it a season 12. So, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Matt, if you're going to say that, push up your glasses. <laughs> <laughs> no, but with that, and then like you remembering that about that show... Do you find that you guys have a very your memory is just locked? Like you remember so many details of of your you know what you've seen in history, and they just lock and you don't forget them. Yeah, I think so. I think that I really, for some reason, just absorb whatever it is. I'm See, watching. I think that's unbelievable. Like I don't have that. I I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Excuse me, I vomit. <laughs> um, no, but it's just, I don't know what it is. I mean, obviously different personalities but it's just i you know I, i'm fascinated by that like oh yeah i remember that and that, no clue really yeah <clears throat> well no for clue. me because well i guess you understand that what it's like to move a lot as a kid sure yeah and so for me 
you know, I had a couple things in my life that, because I didn't really have a lot of friends because I moved so much, I, I basically had stand-up comedy. To, mm. I'm like, I watched everything. Yeah. And video games um, and chess club. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, D&D to an extent. And so yeah. that, that was really my, that, that was my life. So, like, every comedy thing super imprinted on me. But I wonder if now, if kids... <clears throat> because basically our devices are all these external hard drives where we don't really have to retain any information because yeah, it's yeah. always accessible. Yeah, yeah. And most of our energy is going to processing all the information that we have to yeah. process. Yeah. And so I wonder now if kids in 20 years are going to have crystal clear memories of things the way that we do because they just, don't necessarily have to. Huh. Or the opposite, that there's just a sense of there's so much that they... Their focus is all over the place, so it's hard to narrow it down and lock it. Yeah, maybe. I don't. I'm. I'm. I am fascinated by that. Yeah, I think. I mean, for me, it was having. I think it was having a TV and a VCR in my room. That was really either bad parenting or good parenting. Because I would just go up there and just like I would tape episodes of The Simpsons. And yep. Seinfeld, and I would watch them over and over. I have yeah. so many old episodes wow. of SNL, <clears throat> like in the in the Billy Crystal years, yeah, yeah, and yeah, Christopher Guest years, yeah, which are amazing because I have all the commercials in between. So you yeah. just all these dated. You're an amateur. I would yeah. hit pause during the commercial break, and then pause when the show came back. That way, oh, so you can I see could, the screen get a little wavy, I like could, oh, I fully see. get everything without having the commercials in there. Do you find, since you guys have such fantastic memories, that when you're talking to somebody who doesn't have this <laughs> great of a memory, that you get um, the, uh, oh, you remember that so-and-so? And then you get this like fake, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're trying really, really hard to try to click in to seem cool, because they're just embarrassed to go, I, I don't bet, know what you're talking I about. I bet you're not giving yourself enough credit. I bet you have a specific... Like, I bet you have a specific Conway moment in your head that probably yes. stuck with you. Yes. A sp- uh, yes. I mean, but not half as detailed yeah. as I sh- probably should have of a retain. And I think it's just like a different person- personality Con- Conway's thing. totally the kind of... Mind you, you're talking to two people in, uh, I'm wearing a Star Trek t-shirt, he's wearing <laughs> a Doctor Who t-shirt. Oh, with God. No, I don't even think it's that. Because I've had friends, I just, th- I really think it's very admirable. Because I think it's something that you have, I don't know. If I've emotionally detached or whatever. Well, the fact that you don't remember the first 11 years of your life. <laughs> no, but I, I remember memories like my family, these kind of, you know, fun, loving. I mean, obviously, I had a, a great childhood, but it's a sense of just details that just somehow don't lock with stuff you've seen or I'm things gonna, like that. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Yeah. And this is probably a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. I'm going to guess that you were uh, Russian-born and trained to be an assassin as a child, uh, almost like a born or maybe like a Lakid Nikita. uh, Are we just trying to find his trigger word now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Doberman. Here's the thing. I can't continue because you might be right. (laughs) (laughs) And then the podcast just ends. What's that movie I just saw that was fantastic on, on a plane about the girl that was trained by her father? Um, oh, um, and she's like running through the yes, woods and yes, uh, uh, and, and Hannah, Hannah, man, that was good, very good. That was my life, Montana. That was my life, Hannah Montana. Hannah she Montana. Was trained by her father, yeah, Billy yes. Ray Cyrus. Yes. Miley, <laughs> Miley Cyrus. There's a lot we don't know. Yeah, there's a lot we don't know. <laughs> Maybe you were a child assassin, and you just don't, you just don't know. What, what, it, what was this time in well, Germany? Yeah, yeah that's not, <laughs> exactly. What if it came out today, and we're talking, and all of a sudden I have a skill of how to handle a specific knife during this interview, <laughs> and then you, <laughs> oh, I apologize. I don't. I don't know where it came from. There's just so many cool things in this store. Doesn't everyone want to just sort of be attacked and find out that they have weird Jason Bourne skills yeah. that they didn't oh. 
realize. And just the, it's that kind of something was downloaded into their brain that they just know crazy things. I mean, that would be incredibly cool. Yeah, because it also, it also expands the idea that we really are these weird organic machines and that our brains are just these computers that have file trees in them. And some of those we don't have access to. Yeah. And then one day we get the pathway and then it's just. And it unlocks. Yeah. Yep. Sounds exciting, guys. Yeah. Oh, get ready. I'm on board. <laughs> I know Kung Fu. <laughs> you just have it jacked into the back of your head. So when did you guys finish shooting Arrested? We finished Arrested. It was kind of a <clears throat> over a, a long period of time, but I finished probably before Christmas, and then I had to come back for a couple days after Christmas. So for you, this is this happened ages ago, and it's still... Well, I guess it happened maybe five, six months. Yeah, I mean, I, it, most of it actually w- shot, finished before we shot Veep, and then I had to come back for here and there, but um, the whole you, thing was a Was there a part ride. of you where you were like, holy shit, we're back, we're actually oh, doing man, this again? Oh, man, not just a part. The whole thing was very surreal. It I never mean, happens. It it never happens, and it's it's it has been seven years since we shot the Amazing. last episode. God damn it. <clears throat> so you just kind of... I mean, I remember <laughs> I'd come in and I, you know, had my, my Argyle socks and, <laughs> and, my, and Buster's pastels. Here, here we are again. And he's sporting some shorts this, this season. Nice. He's sporting some shorts this season. How he's, high are those socks? He's show, he's, well, you're welcome first. She's <laughs> <laughs> showing some leg. Um, and just getting the hook on. and I mean, all that stuff. It was just... <laughs> Was it there, was just was there, very surreal. When you it read was crazy. the when you read the script of of Buster losing his hand, were you like, really? I got to do this now. Well, it was one of those things that you know, Mitch, who who created the show, he would, uh, you know, I remember the day he came up to me. He says, "So I'm thinking, I'm thinking your hand might be eaten off by some animal. I don't, I don't know which, I don't know which animal it might be." And there's that part of you. It's like, oh shoot, I like I like both hands right. when I perform, yeah. but. Um, he, you know, I don't know. It was just, but then I realized that because uh, I had to, my wife and I rewatched it. There's all these like hand things happening yes. before the hand came off. So I mean, I had no clue. It's I mean, insane. I had no clue. The whole plastic hand chair. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, that's kind of a fun little <laughs> idea. Not knowing my hand was going to be coming off. It's in future episodes. Unbelievable how dense. If you were to go through and connect yeah. all just of slice the, dots, the layers off, it's amazing. How it it has to be the most densely packed, well constructed yeah. comedy anything yeah. in the history of like just the way that everything ties together. A show that yeah. late in its second season literally has Henry Winkler jump over a shark. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. And looking into a mirror and doing a Fonz yes. move. Fonzie move. So I mean he I mean he's I don't know. Mitch he's he's one of those minds that it's just there's a massive puzzle going on in top of his head. And like, cause I, I would read the scripts coming back and I, to this day, have no clue really what's going on. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as anybody to see what happens <laughs> and, but you just kind of trust him. You yeah. know, you trust that he has that puzzle in his head and the matrix and it's gonna, you know, it means something. And so he's like, do this and do this. And you're like, okay, I, I kind of, I don't relate it to this, but I think about when, uh, that movie Moulin, that movie Moulin Rouge and you know those actors are like, you want me to do what? <laughs> you know, wait, there's going to be a green fairy here, and I'm singing on top of a roof. And But then you have to just trust the director. That he knows, that he what, knows he's doing. what he's doing. And hopefully, sometimes it doesn't come out good, but then that came out good. But you always, as an actor, you just trust, and we just trust Mitch that it really is going to come out okay yeah. and come out right. Because you're, pe- you're a piece. You're a piece. You're a yeah, cog you're in a the piece. machine. Yeah. And I'm sure there must be some anxiety that when the finished product happens, happens you're just watching it and you go 
God damn it. Uh, <laughs> Why I did knew, I trust? Uh, I knew that was a weird thing. But to here's do. the deal. You know that's happened tons of times. Oh, of course. More you often know, than yeah. not. Oh, yeah. And they're just like, I man, I really went on that ride. And then you see it and you're like, that's not what I expected. <laughs> you know? And then, of course, you know, people are like, the acting in this was terrible. And you're like, but I. Yeah. I, oh, I just, come on. I was just trying to be. A, it's him. It's him. It's, it's him. him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the emotional. The director told me to look at the camera the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> or did he? I don't know. <laughs> I can't stop. <laughs> what, was was there sort of a, an emotional start and stop the entire time? Because you know, the last seven years, it was it's coming back or it's morphing over to this or it's going to be a movie. Okay, it's not going to be a movie. Yeah, now yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, now Netflix is. Oh, I don't. Well, it was one of. The, I mean, I will say when we finished the last, season, we never knew. We always thought we were going to get canceled the next month, so we yeah. never knew if we were going to be around and I can honestly say I mean even though Fox gets a lot of crap for canceling the show they did not have to keep us on for two and a half years because our ratings were never good right so it was really always the the fans and the press that really kept it alive. So then after it finished that's what continued to keep it alive because I, anytime I'd hear it I'd be like that'd be great but I don't know if that can even happen you know and then it came to fruition and you're like wow this is really happening i love when they the there's an episode in the second season where they acknowledge that the season order got cut back by yeah. saying that our housing order got cut back from I 22 know. to 18 i know and then they're I talking know. about how late they get the scripts in they're like we just got the blueprints in. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just amazing well, little layers since, on since we're talking about breaking the fourth wall jokes i love when they're eating at burger king oh yes <laughs> and yes. then carl weathers and it's and then carl carl weathers line hey man can i get in on some of that like that Fucking killed me. <laughs> and he's back. He's he came, oh, that's he's, great. He's came yes. back. Yeah. Liza's back, my uh, girlfriend. Uh, back, <laughs> which I'm thrilled about. Um she's man, she's just she's a, a rock star. And I she's one of those that when you're talking to her, I just could listen to her all day long. Oh, she she's gotta have so many. Oh, she has stories. so many stories, and her stories don't come come from a place of like ego. It just comes from a place of like listen to my life. Right. And I was raised on the MGM lot, like all these kind of just nutty stories, and it, I just listened to her all day long. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. Did uh, does, uh, does Mitch ever put you on his lap and tell you about Golden Girls? <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> that was our lunchtime. <laughs> I do love that show too. I did too. That was, was a amazing. fucking amazing. Golden Girls, was an edgy show about four elderly women that w- is is funny to elderly women, but oh, then yeah. also I believe they prefer post menopausal. Okay, <laughs> I don't know if really, they prefer really, that. That's true. I don't that's know true. if they prefer being. I feel like Blanche would prefer reference on to be on the north side of fertility. I don't know you, if they really appreciate. You do that. wonder though, um, what was what was unique, what was attractive about it, and there was something about these men who these men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just said B. Arthur in your these, <laughs> these women who you want at, a Dean Martin roast who, who at who at the end of their lives, you know, have have probably had careers and all this kind of stuff, and now they're together, and you're kind of curious, like what. What do they talk about at the end of their life and the relationships that matter and all that kind of stuff? And there was just kind of this intrigue to it, you know? Well, yeah. And, and it, it was super funny, and they were very talented comic actresses. And somehow Estelle Getty was the youngest of the cast. It was so weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For well, real. She, she was it? really the youngest. Wow. That's, and, I will say that was good makeup, yeah. too. It was the hair and the stance. But I, 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 oh, that's right. I wonder. Uh, also, I was thinking before that Tim Conway could have totally—he would have been someone that would have been a great guest star totally. on, on Arrested. Oh, I know, I know, yeah. And I actually—I want to say I—I I, I brought him up, but I was that. Keep in mind, Arrested was my very first gig. 
that was my after commercial. I did commercials in theater in New York, and then I got Arrested Development. And so I, when I got there, I was in just always, always in a state of just like, what's happening? <laughs> Where am I? I'd never been on a lot. I was just like, what's going on? And so to to give ideas and stuff like that, I was always like, oh, I don't know. What do you think about that? And then they'd say like, I don't know. I'd be like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't. I was I, thinking about it. I think I did say his name once, but I probably didn't push his. But I wonder, you know, just because. Uh, <clears throat> he just guest starred on uh, uh, Big Bang. Oh, he did? I Believe. Oh, sorry, that was Bob Newhart. I bet. No, yeah, Newhart. Yeah, Newhart. Yeah, yeah, Newhart yeah. was just on. But I wonder, because uh, you know, in Arrested, you basically uh, Bateman, uh, My- Michael's character is the se- he's stable, uh-huh. but then everyone else is a bit is a big character, and yet it doesn't feel too big, even though everyone else is doing kind of an extreme yeah. take on sure. uh, on something. Because I mean, I think it, Mitch would always ground it. I mean, he. I remember when he came up because I was talking about Buster, and he said. He told me that any everything Buster any wait, all Buster wants in life is safety. That's all he, all he wants, and so anything that threatened that safety, he would just spiral. You know, so there was always that kind of um, gauge that I could say this threatens Buster's safety. And granted, I look at some of the episodes and I'm like, am I animated? Like, <laughs> I, I look a little broad, but um, there were times, really moments where you're just you can see anything. He had to leave the house. His mother left. He just went into the state of paralysis because his safety was threatened. Wow. I I, I still uh, I, I'm maybe you haven't thought about it, but I just. I would love to really try to understand why a show like that didn't rate as high as mm. was it because you had to pay attention too much or because it they was very new because I mean, they yeah, you was, know I mean it was on Fox <laughs> that's a thing <laughs> they had to think about maybe <laughs> maybe but I also think you know it, I think for for the for the large swath of the television watching audience like. King of Queens, Arrest Development. People are like, "Oh, I relate to this I, guy who's remember, a mail carrier." But I, to your point, I think with drama, people—I mean, I don't know—I don't think it's the same way now. But people took a lot of time to figure out those CSIs and what's the law and order, like what's the story. But when it came to comedy, you don't—they <clears throat> didn't really want to take—they don't really want to th- think about. It. It's more of just kind of a soothing, just kind of make me laugh. Because Arrested took some. You had to kind of figure out why is he blue and what's you know where is he coming from? Like it was more of you had to kind of use your thought process, you know? right? Maybe I, that's I, it. I, I don't I, know. So I watched it. I started watching from the first episode, and the reason I watched it was I was like, oh, David Cross and Jeffrey Tambor have a new show. Yeah, so I'll watch that, and that's you know, and then it hooked me. That yeah. fucking that pilot script. Great, right? It's amazing. I still have the pilot script <clears throat> at home. Was Bust, was Buster? Did did you audition as? That or did he sort of evolve into what Buster became? Well, I remember when I was in New York and I was I got the audition. And when you're in New York and you put yourself on tape, I remember thinking, uh, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. You know, it's it's such a good show. I mean, I was excited, but you know, you kind of have realistic expectations about it. And so I auditioned, and I remember Mitch saying that when I was in the audition, you know, Buster massages pe- <laughs> massages people a lot. That's his extracurricular activity. <laughs> and I was. I was do I was massaging my knees just like in the in the in the audition, but the camera was just from my weight from my chest up. So Mitch would watch the watch the video and be like, "What is he doing down there?" <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that triggered an interest. Or, <laughs> just gotta find out what he's doing. Fly him out here. What is he doing? What is he doing? But, do you want me to read the scene? No, I just want to figure out what was going what on. What was going on downstairs? <laughs> but um, I don't know. He just Buster was pretty much. Um, 
you know, like a seven-year-old trapped in a 32-year-old body at the time. You know, it was just, just, just a kid, really. You know, a vulnerable kid. And then uh, a vulnerable, freaked out, scared, <laughs> rocking in a corner kid. One, find us a pe- find us a channel to the ocean, and <laughs> he just can't look at the map. He thinks the blue is land. <laughs> I don't know. It's so over. It's like any anxiety. All of his intelligence left his body. <laughs> He's just like I can't, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> As uh, I, I, Jessica Walter must have a million amazing stories. I think she's one. Of her talk about comic timing. That woman has solid comic timing. She plays Lucille on my on the show, and oh, she's amazing on she's, Archer too. Uh, on so Archer, and Archer. she's just so. Good and, and a fucking great dramatic actress as well. Fantastic play, Misty for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. If she, I have huge admiration. That's the thing is, everybody had real huge respect for everybody, I- each other. So it was just because with comedy, as you all know, there's the sense that <clears throat> when you throw something out, you just want the trust that it's going to come back, and you can you you can ride that wave together. And so that's when it just becomes fun, and we had that. So everyone was pretty. Uh, uh, was everyone? As a cast, oh, let's all hang out, or did everyone kind of go their separate ways? Um, I yeah, we some of us hung out, and then um, it was yeah, we uh, we're all very different personalities, and so but since then it's like we've all had babies, yep. and so it was cool to reunite because we haven't really seen much of each other because everybody kind of was doing their different things, um, and then I don't know, it's just it was one big crazy reunion special, like it was really odd. So what? Is, so what is what is Netflix plan? Is it uh, if it does well, are they going to do more, or is it like, oh, this was just sort of the? I think it's. I mean, I read in the press. I think they're. I, I, I from what I've heard, again, I'm the worst source of information. Um, from what I've heard, it's a movie maybe next. Yeah. But um, I think the way Jason Bateman's described it is like this is the first act. This is the first act to a, a second and third act in a movie. So I think they're. I mean. I'm, I have well, no I hope idea. It happens. I know. I, it would be great. It would Get be great. Zach Braff to kickstart it. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. But I mean, it's also, I mean, not to sound cheesy, but it's that sense of if it happens, great. If not, like, it's been a great ride. Are you pretty cool with the, uh, do, do you stress out? Are you anxious about the business? Are you pretty cool that, like, yeah, you know, if stuff comes along, great. If not, I don't. I'm a pretty, I mean, there's a reason I'm probably pretty, pretty anxious characters. I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty good. At, I'm pretty good at anxiety. Um, but it's the thing of, you know, it's all, for me, it's all about a support system. Because, I mean, we live in a constant state of rejection in this business. You're constantly rejected. Yeah. So you got to have that support. And the weird thing about our business is, Typically in life, people go on job interviews for two or three months, and then they have a gig for three or four years. We're in a we're in a business where we're on a job interview for three or four years, and we're lucky if we get a gig for two or three months. That's a good gig, right? So it's a very odd business where you are signing up for a ton of rejection, and you just have to. For me, I'm just massive on a support system, community, and family, and all that. Well, yeah, because we are we're we're sort of weird freelancers. It's oh, a very yeah. weird freelancey. Yeah, At, but not, not like a business where, hey, work is always available. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also, <clears throat> as um, someone told me, which I've always appreciated, you, you can be so far into I got to get the next gig, and you miss the gig you're on. Yeah. And it's that sense of waking yourself up a hundred times a day to where you're at. Yeah. You know, like now I'm having a great conversation and this is where I'm at rather than living what's coming next, which is very challenging. It's, you know? it's really hard because really hard. you, you, you know, um, some part of your brain has decided that 
you're going to forego a regular life yeah. to pursue this thing that you're passionate about. But what comes with that is, like you said, a lot of rejection and, you know, uh, I mean, I in years where you don't work and sure, years yeah. where you every day you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I will say a huge lesson I learned on Arrested was when I was in New York, all <clears throat> excuse me, all I ever wanted was a sitcom. I remember thinking like, all I ever want is a sitcom. And I would always look like that sitcom's coming, that sitcom's coming. And then I got it. And I wouldn't say it was a depression, but it was a very difficult time because nothing can match that expectation. I put so much weight on getting that job that it was that huge lesson of, and this sounds like an Oprah episode, but it's that lesson of if you're not practicing contentment where you're at, you're not going to be content when you get what you want. Right. Mm. Because, and I do think it's a discipline. So that's where that whole kind of, when I'm on a job, like waking myself up to say, I really, I need to be aware of this and I need to just wake myself up and be like now i'm having a fantastic conversation yeah. on nerdist you know uh, well yeah because we just had a we had a conversation yesterday with a guy who's in a band that's just started to get a bunch of success uh called fits and the tantrums and and he was saying you know, he was like for 20 years i was trying to make in the music business and then all of a sudden yeah it happened i mean that's oversimplifying it but it happened yeah 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 and it's it's you know and i think what what you sort of get into these thought patterns and if your thought pattern is always like <clears throat> I gotta get that thing. I gotta get that ah, thing. Yeah. I gotta get that which thing. is our business. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Then you are conditioning yourself to always think that way, and it can be. Yeah. It can be kind of weird. But I don't think it's an overnight thing. Where when somebody says, and I hate, I hate this, it's like, oh, just be content, own it. All that. It's a, it's a discipline. Like it's a practice to say, I've got to wake myself up, because you can. I, I was so in New York. I was always looking to what's coming, and then I got it, and it was like. That's a lot of weight I put on that. Yeah. And I have to say, oh, I don't, I should be feeling something different. I mean, it was a fantastic gig, a fantastic show. And now going back, I really was nice to have the attitude of like, I'm going to be, try to be present and really enjoy this, you know, rather than just like, and I think it could be anything. I think it could be anything for anybody finding that perfect job, sitcom, you know, whatever it is. It's all you gotta. I mean, this sounds cheesy, but it's like practice it now, or it's not going to come when you get it. Well, I think I think I think most people experience that. Like, if they get married and they have a crazy yeah, big yeah, wedding, yeah. and it's like this is the most important. Yeah, and they yeah, do yeah, it, yeah. and it's over, and they're like, what? What, what, what happened? Yeah, <laughs> or they're or they're in it, and they're like, I should be feeling. differently. I should be feeling differently. Yeah, because yeah. I've given this a lot of weight. Yeah. You know, and why am I not? And what's wrong with and me? Now I'm in debt from right. the wedding. <laughs> I know this is worse. <laughs> but just lessons like that, like that was, um, was a great lesson to learn. You know, I'm I'm really thankful for it. And you know, it's you know, I'm sure I'm sure people who I'll say people who aren't in the business are like, oh, the tough performers, you got to yeah, go. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, yeah, I know it's not you know it's not labor intensive work, but it's emotionally labor intensive. And you know, to go through something where every day for years you're constantly being told like you're not good enough, you shouldn't get yeah. this, you're not this enough, you're not that enough. You- but it's also, I mean, I can I also it's also my fault for not focusing on what I have, for not enjoying it. I mean, that's if somebody. Oh, how can you even com- 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 complain? Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I can have rough days, but if my general thing is like, oh, I need to get this, I need, that's something I need to check in myself. Like, yeah. I need to say, you know what? The right, like, I got to wake myself up to be, not as a shame thing, but be like, you know what? I've got a great family. I've got friends who love me. I'm, I'm doing what I love. Like, I got to wake myself up. Well, again. I think that's why some people spin out of control because they get to that moment and they're like, 
why isn't this better than I thought it was? Yeah. And then they just fucking, they start doing crazy drugs or they start doing, just yeah. to try to... To keep that buzz. Just to get the buzz yeah. going rather than just... And to of, almost match the expectation that they've given it in their mind. Right. You know, it's like they've given a lot of weight to this and it's and they get there and it doesn't feel right. And it's like, okay, I got to add some stuff to get that. Yeah. That's why it's... But what I find is interesting when you watch any junket or interview, you know, particularly with someone who's on a big show or a big movie or something. And it, I always pay attention to this. If you watch, no one ever really answers the question, what's it like to work on that thing mm. in an effective way? They go, what's it like to work mm. on, you know, Mission Impossible? Like, oh, it's fun. You know, like they can't really relate it ever to anything because it's yeah. a weird. Well, it's also that you can feel somebody talking about that be like, that must be amazing. <laughs> and they're on the other side going, yeah, I mean, I'm still, you've given me a lot of expectation. You know, yeah. it's still a gig, and it's a crazy gig, but I've still got a family, still trying to make this work. You know, yeah. it's that kind of thing, like feeling guilty almost that you can't match or that they can't match someone's expectation put right. on them. Well, it's also very result-oriented because it's not like, you know, when you're doing it, you're focused on your work, and so you're not really, you're not stopping every five minutes to go, <laughs> hey, guys, <Yeah. laughs> check MI5. it out. MI5. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not it's not really until after the movie's done where you do where the, you could take a step back and go, Oh, the result. Yeah, oh that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a thing that we made. Okay, yeah. yeah, no, that was really And to me it kinda goes goes back to at the end of your life it's all about relationships. Like have I made the most of my relationships? Have on the film, like, have I been an ass or have I <laughs> gotten to know people and treated people right i mean that's all that has longevity everything else it's like do you really want the end of your end of your life your you know your legacy to be like god he was a douchebag <laughs> you know it's like who cares it's about those relationships did having a child help you help ground you with a lot of that stuff did it give uh, you something to focus on oh yeah oh yeah definitely i mean it's it simplifies you know, it simplifies those. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm like losing my voice. I apologize. You guys are very trained in your resonance, and mine clearly is not. Um, um, you don't want to speak too much from your throat, Tony. <laughs> clearly, I am. Yeah, we do about you wanted, four hours a week. Do you want to talk guys, from your muzzle yeah. and then exactly. just push the air through your diaphragm? You're talking through it you right now. Let it escape. <laughs> that was not muzzle talk just now. It wasn't? Mm -mm. Oh, okay. You sound, Tony, you just sound like you have bad allergies. That was good muzzle talk. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um... Anyways, but I, my daughter, um, it is. It's that kind of thing. Like when you, when you, when I had her, it's you're. She is so simple. You know, I love how kids. It's just like, you know, they get the, a friends coming over, and it's like a friends coming over. <laughs> Life is fantastic. <laughs> and you know, and you're around that, and you're just like, yeah, that friends coming. And then, because we have friends, we don't have that. I mean, not that we need to have that kind of excitement, but everything is so they own it. Yeah, and that is where you're like, yeah, that's a simple way of thinking. And now, you when know? you're an adult, you're like. Friends are coming over. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta pick up the place. <laughs> I know. Oh, I, I have know. to make food. No, they're gonna Next time your daughter's wine. like excited, friends are coming over. Like, yeah. Well, if you had a mortgage, you wouldn't be this excited. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just, da just dampen <laughs> that <laughs> as much as possible. Use the Myra method. <laughs> Kid, I'm preparing you for life. You're not gonna realize it now, but I'm being a good parent. I'm preparing you for life. Oh my God, I gotta uh, write a book. It'll go right next to the Nerdist way, the Myra method. <laughs> <laughs> you got your title. <laughs> Don't expect anything ever. <laughs> Listen, 
<laughs> you uh, had a did a scene with R two D two. It was still shitty to fly up there in the same <laughs> fly back the same day. Uh, <laughs> my my buddies just uh, they just did they, they did a film and they were the what is the Lucas Ranch or the Skywalker yeah, Ranch. Skywalker Ranch. Ranch. They went up there to edit it to mm-hmm. do sound, and I was telling them, and they were the way they were talking. It was like. Just like what an experience, and we were just back and forth, like own that, like that. You were at Skywalker Ranch, yeah. you know, and it's very difficult to get in, you know, uh, you know, just kind of the, the details, which is understandable because you're creating, but just like for a moment of like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, that's like such a childhood fantasy. Yeah, there was a you know? moment of like, okay, I have to get up out of this couch so R two D two can move correctly <laughs> for the scene. I'm like, well, all right, I can do this. <laughs> it is. I think that's why I get so excited about things all the time because it's just shocking to me that to to be able to do all this the the silly stuff and then it's work is yeah. is pretty insane. Just because you know from from where I grew up, I, I just I know a lot of people who. <clears throat> You know who ended up working, you know, de- de- good jobs, but sure. but I but I know that aren't like super happy. Yeah. About you know where you know you talk to them and they're like, yeah, it's good. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's that kind of tone. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's but all then, right. But then you meet people <clears throat> who you qualify as having fantastic jobs who have the same attitude. Where yeah. It, where it's like, yeah. It's you know I just did I did two features yeah, yeah it's so it's all in the attitude of the person like it's all in the because I mean I don't know it, it kind of goes back I mean I can find those same people in doing like crazy what I would seem see as fantastic jobs but it kind of goes back to just that personal attitude and then you, and then you meet a guy uh, I, I was uh, I was in a hotel recently and there was a guy who was uh, basically was like a janitor and he was walking me I'm like hey how's it going he was like. Every day is great, and right? Like, just like so yes. happy, yes. and then you, and then, and you go, you know, and not, I'm, I'm not, you know, it's probably arrogant to say like well, that guy, you know, no, why, yeah. why should he? How come he's so happy? But just the idea that he just didn't seem to have a care in the world, and everything was great, yeah. and he was thankful to be alive, and yeah. then, and then you go. I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Matt Meyer method would be really every day, every day, every day. No, the Let Meyer, write that the Meyer method would be you missed a spot. Oh, <laughs> keep him down, Matt. That's right. But I think it's cool that he woke up with that choice. You know, like he woke up to have that choice, and it is a choice to have that attitude. Happiness it, is a choice. Is. But I will say that it's it's. I think it's also owning that if you're having a bad day. It's like I can own, like you know what, this is a crappy day, but I can at least be try to be present in this bad day and well, not. Yeah, and it's there's a difference between having a bad, and I think it does. I think it does uh, all boil down to sort of like living in the moment. There's a difference between yeah, I'm having a shitty day and I, you yeah. know, I fucked some things up and some people got mad at me about stuff and I just don't feel that great. And sometimes just the chemistry of your brain just feels bad. Sure, yeah. But there's a difference between that and then like everything's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> so ruined, you know. Like yeah. there's a difference between those two things of yeah. catastrophizing. And, exactly. And exactly. In, in most cases, not in all, because some people have circumstances that that make it very difficult. And you know, I don't want to sure, seem yeah. unsympathetic, but yeah. in a lot of cases, happiness really is a choice, and it is work because we get very comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you're comfortable with rejection, you just kind of get comfortable being in a negative place, yeah. and you're like, no, the world. But I also don't think it's necessarily an emotion either. Because, I mean, I think in our world it's defined as an emotion when it's just really, I think, a state of being. Like being or trying to be content, trying to be present, having kind of joy where you're at, but not necessarily walking around like, you know, we see like people just laughing and smiling. Right. And I'm happy. 
It's like, okay, but there's someone can just be stone-faced and staring and be peaceful and be completely, you know, con- present and content where they're at. Yeah. You know? But then when you have, have you ever had this situation? This turned into like a, no, it's a, good. A, a chicken soup is. for the soul. This it is. is. <laughs> the podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, have you ever had this experience where you're walking down the street and you feel fine and someone walks by and they go, hey man, cheer up. I know, and right? then yeah. And then you get mad and you're like, I wasn't. I'm actually pretty here. I know that you think you're helping, yeah. but that's really insulting. You don't yeah. know anything about yeah. me, don't even though you're trying your, to help. Don't put your definition of happy on me. See, see how angry you are? No, you just. <laughs> oh, come on. Sorry, man. Just using the Meyer method. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. <laughs> are you tired of having fun, functional relationships? <laughs> hey. What? I didn't mean. They uh, all function. <laughs> What would you say? That's, that's chapter two. They all function. <laughs> you wake up the next day. <laughs> what no would one you, died. What would you say is the a big lesson you've learned in the last f- five years that has you never have forgotten being in the business? That has kind of helped you kind of, you know, on days or move forward or... Always take Olympic. <laughs> Always take Olympic. That's Bernie Brillstein. Yeah, that's Bernie Brillstein. That's a Bernie Brillstein yep. book. <laughs> Always take Olympic Olympic Boulevard. Still works. So uh, uh, Sixth Street's a good one too. Yep, I agree. Sixth yeah. is great. I agree. We're giving away all the secrets, nice. man. Nice. But you can't turn left on Rossmore between four and seven. That's true. Uh, so you got to go one. I live past. over there too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one lesson. One lesson that I've learned. Uh, one, one lesson that I'm that I, that I feel like I'm, I'm continuing. Or do to... you like to share kind of with something that you a, a nugget of something? You know, one thing that I've that I've that I've learned within the within the last year. Because the stuff that I've been working on is, has gotten a little more public, and so the, there's been a lot more, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm very directly connected to people on the internet, is to not be as precious about myself. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, not yeah. be as like, how come that guy said a shitty thing? You know, like, that mm-hmm. was... That that that's something that it's is, is not is not worrying about as much mm-hmm. what other people think or trying to be liked as much, you yeah. know... Uh, and also kind of the catastrophic thinking of taking maybe what they said and making it huge in your mind, like I do this, make it huge in my mind when it's, that might not have been the intention, right. that kind of stuff. Because we can, I mean, <clears throat> we have lived, I mean, we're creative people, so I can create crazy scenarios in my head mm. yeah. that probably have never entered their mind. Right. You know? Do you have siblings? I do. I oh, a, you do. You do. Okay. I have a brother and sister. Because I just, I wonder, I wonder if there's something the psychology of just, of moving a lot. Hmm. And not, you know, and always kind of having to reestablish sure. friends or uh, s- some type of thing. If if there's if there's any kind of weird thing about that, did you was was in the army based system? Was there like a set and these are the army kids and then this is the this is where they all play? Like, was it very regimented in that way? <laughs> now you're tapping on the memory. Oh you know, shit! But, uh, <laughs> uh, I remember. I mean, I, I don't the... batistas. What did you say? <laughs> Why is his nose bleeding? What did you do? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it's lost. Um, uh, I uh, I don't. I remember just it was very. Um, uh, Americanized, if I could. I mean, the base was, it was all, I don't remember any kind of distinction. I remember going outside the base. I will say, when we lived in Heidelberg, we lived on a base, and then we moved to Berlin for two years, and we lived in this house that the army gave my dad, which was this very sad, like, the they took, the army took it over from the Nazi regime, and then they would give it, and then the army owned it, and then they would give it to kind of, Lieutenant, like people, in my people who served and stuff. So we were living in this 
huge house. And I remember going downstairs, um, and this is a crazy story, because oh, I'm sorry, the Nazis took it over from wealthy families, um, I, th- I, I assumed Jewish wealthy mm-hmm. families, and then they had it, and then when the army came in and took over, then they took over the house. But I remember going downstairs with my brother, and I had tripped on something and hit a bookcase, and it opened. <gasps> yes, and it was where... I mean, it was so sad. It was where the, the, the Jewish people were hiding. I mean, they, were, they would have these hideouts, and they would hide people. Were they still in there? They were <laughs> it was actually, I remember opening it and being like, there was a moment of, oh, what are we going to find? What yeah. are we going to find? And there was pots. <laughs> Just there pots? Was like, so there was pots. So pots. they were using it like, like a gardener, like a, a, I guess like storing parts. I mean, pots. that is like a... But it was like, it was, it was the kind of thing that Goonies all of a sudden was coming alive. And yeah. I was like, but... There was that moment, yes, but then we saw the pots and we were like, oh, I guess people I mean, that is this That is kind of a classic, like, you know, C.S. Lewis or sort of a Jumanji, like, and then I just tripped and then a bookcase over. Yeah. Like, that's pretty amazing. And I, I mean, I wish my brother here, he could confirm it because it was, it was very much like, I, probably not like, I, I'm, somewhat, somehow we bumped into another trip or something, but it, we saw it move and we were just like, the bookcase, <laughs> we can open that bookcase. <laughs> oh my I'm about to explode. That's pretty incredible. I know. So, was, but I do remember the the base being very kind of its own community, and then going outside was obviously G- Germany, and it was very different. Yeah. Uh, I'm still thinking about your question about about something that I've learned in the last five years. Oh, well, I, I, I know. No, you go. I'll tell you a lesson I learned. Please. Or I'm continuing to learn, which is very difficult, um, is is the whole thing of, in this town, I think really in any town, is the value of words. Because, in you know, I can say in this town, you, someone's yes is really not yes and their no is not no. Yeah. Because um, I think people are so afraid to burn bridges, they're so afraid to hurt feelings that they say like "Yeah," and then they don't follow through. And it's that whole thing. If I think you really, and it's a challenge, but it's like I think you can really be different and, and make a difference by letting your yes be yes and your no no. Even though it hurts someone's feelings, like if someone asks you to do something and you so badly don't want to hurt their feelings, you say "Yeah." Is it worse to say "You know what"? No, I can't do that right now, and it'd be hurt then rather than string along somebody right. for so long, and then have your word mean nothing, and then yeah. your word mean nothing. And there's really, and when I when I've met people, even though you know sometimes their words, if they say no or whatever, I value the fact like they're yet they followed through on their yes, and then they had a, their no meant no. Yeah, and I think there's value to that. I, I that is an excellent point because especially if you're. You know, if you want, it is, it's like, it's trying to be nice in the short term. It's short term versus long term thinking. And short term thinking can be really damaging. Yeah. If, especially, you know, when you think about how many things you do that are fucked up that are just to solve a, sh- a problem in the short term, like, oh, I'll just do this. Or even if it's like, ah, I shouldn't eat that thing, but it'll make me feel good right now. Or I yeah, should yeah. just say that thing to that person so they'll feel better right now. Because you don't really Wait, think long term. I should eat that thing and I feel good right now. I know that one. <laughs> so do I, man. So do I. It's chapter nine, Myra method. <laughs> um, but uh, but it really is like, you know, there there, there, I, there was a time when people were only had their word, yeah, and it was and and of course, you know, I think we, yeah, fi- it, it, you find that if you do follow through on something you say you're going to do, people are like, wow, thanks, yeah, 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 you're like, yeah, oh yeah, it was just because most people but don't. It's also why you, <clears throat> I can only speak for myself, but why I have not let my yes be no, my no be no, is because I'm so concerned that someone's not going to like me, or I'm going, it was fear-based. Yeah. 
And it's rather than actually thinking about them and giving them the 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 respect of a valued answer that yeah. they can carry, you know, which is actually you're actually respecting them more rather than so concerned that they're not going to like you in that moment. Is this why you ultimately agreed to do Batman on Batman on Attack of the Show? I, re- I really... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was... I worked on Attack of the Show. I was a second producer. Yeah, but I wasn't uh, <coughs> down there for that shooting. That was actually pretty fun. Yeah, no. You, we had you hanging upside down for a while. I remember looking at the <laughs> yes. monitor. Like, I was upstairs, and I looked at the studio feed. See, I followed like, through. I followed through. He did. I followed through on my yes. We had Tony hanging upside down. because That's why he says no to people down. now, because of what you guys yeah. did. For, that I'm was gonna, the moment I learned this lesson. It's like, what, a half hour you were hanging upside down? I was like, he's still upside down, guys. Those are those kind of things that you, like... His head is swelling up like a tomato. <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> and he's throwing up. He's t- he just talked about his childhood. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Keep talking. Keep talking. Get it on film. He just remembered sixth grade. Yeah, they... <laughs> they hung him upside down. Finally. He starts freaking out. Uh, well, here's here's something that I think is important. You know, as a performer, sometimes it's easy for people to say, like, you know, don't worry what the public says. Just make the thing that you want to make. And to an extent, I think that's true. But if you are a performer or you're a creator, y- you do form a relationship with your audience. So it is kind of important, oh, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, what sure. they think. I think it's good to ignore people who are extreme. Yeah. Uh, well, I not- think... The country as a whole has ignored extreme since the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> really good point. But I mean, but I mean, <laughs> and there we have the introduction. There to it the is. But if there, uh, it, for anyone who's a creator, uh, like who makes something, I think it's important to uh, to really understand that your thing doesn't have to get a hundred percent approval because it's never going to get a hundred percent approval. Yeah, it's never, yeah. And so you know, as long as you can. As long as you can shoot for a decent mm-hmm. number, then you're probably doing well, okay with the audience. That as you're long as there's so a far. dislike <clears throat> a button next to the like button, yeah, you're gonna get some dislikes. Yeah, yeah, no, no matter what. Yeah. And not to not to take that personally. That's just the which, which to acknowledge is hard. I mean, I think you know many times when people say, "Don't worry about what people think," you know, walk away from the audition, you know, forget about it. I'm human. You know, it's it's hard not to focus on those things, and that's why it's like. Almost what I try to do is just like be aware of like, oh, okay, that hurts. That hurts. And I'm going to, I'm going to own that and be aware of that. And then just keep walking. Yeah. You, you don't know? have to make everyone like you because I think many, t- yeah. And it, which is I, my humanness wants that. But if somebody doesn't, it's like rather than me, which I've done many times, try to control for them to get me to, to like me like, okay, I'm going to just feel like, all right, that, that sucks and that hurts. I can't control it, but just keep walking. Well, that's what when um, the, this conversation we had with Nick Offerman on the podcast was the oh, idea yeah. of, you know, I said, you know, I, I sort of jokingly said, like, Nick, what makes a man a man? And then we kind of got into this really serious conversation, and then the net result of it was brute and sawdust. <laughs> Typical. And secondarily. I'm way off base. <laughs> <laughs> Hence Buster. <laughs> Using a squirrel as a roll-on deodorant. Uh, That's an amazing image. <laughs> That's fantastic. Using the forest. <laughs> Using the forest, but uh, it's, it's we're just we're just shaving, doing the thing instead of the badger hair on the thing. You just actually use a badger, yeah, with the shaving cream, on. <laughs> or just you just grab a beaver and flick his head back and shave him off with your his fucking teeth. Um, but uh, it's the idea of own, like you're saying, it's ownership. Ownership. If you can take ownership over uh, your emotions, over your actions, mm-hmm. over then that's really what being a mature person is all about. Yeah, but don't you think, and I've done this many times in my life, don't you think 
<clears throat> the opposite of that is what I've done in my life where something happens and I choose to not feel it. I choose to not, you know, own the experience. And then I just detach. I find something to medicate with it or I just choose to obviously maybe to not remember it or <laughs> to, you know, but just to kind like of or, from zero to 10. or as a performer, you choose to perform just to kind of just divert the attention rather than like, all right, that hurt. Um, I'm going to feel that hurt and own that hurt and be aware of it. And then, cause it actually, you can walk through it that way. Yeah. It, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's detaching. I think that's, I think that's using the energy creatively where someone, you know, might get rejected and then they'll go, well, I'm never going to do this again. I think that's detachment sure, as, yeah. as opposed to, I feel bad and I'm going to channel that and make something that that you know is my own thing and that no yeah. one you know like to take that to take yeah. that energy and actually do something constructive with it i think is ownership i would couple that with yes and i would couple it with as long as i think there has to be a moment where you do feel that that hurt sure like, like okay that hurt yes channel it definitely but it's like i think if you spend your whole life just like diverting it yeah and just be like i'm going to do this and this and this there has to be a time where you say oh that really that hurt. Yeah. You know? I agree. I agree. But I think the creative process is part of the healing process. I think. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. It's, yeah. I agree with that. You know, you, you feel and, you, and you're healing up and then it's like, okay, now what can I do? Because really uh, taking, turning any kind of uh, a situation into some type of creative endeavor, artistic endeavor is taking ownership of it because you're taking those emotions and going, I'm going to I'm going to do this with you now. I'm going to yeah. express this yeah. af- after I felt it. I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. I agree with yeah. Maybe you can't do that until you feel it or maybe you need to ex- maybe you need to do that first to feel it. To feel it yeah, so sure. that you can get a yeah. an outside perspective yeah. and go That makes sense. Yeah, cuz you know with like with with stand up and I mean obviously you know my first comedy special had wasn't really like I was talking about any heavy issues. They were just a lot of silly dick jokes, but when I but when I look at it I was like, oh, I guess uh, there was this thing that I was trying to express that I didn't realize in the process, and I guess that's what it was. I mean, mm-hmm. it was nothing heavy. Yeah. But but for some people, it it can be. Suit sure. looked heavy. The suit was heavy. <laughs> yeah, it was a heavy suit. suit. Was heavy. I should not have. Uh, I should not have gotten in a tub in a suit before <laughs> I went on stage. I thought it would be shinier yeah, no, if I did that. Cool off. I think the quick. other thing. <laughs> this is all. This is like life lessons. But the other thing is, I think when you are doing those endeavors, or you're, that thing's coming, like what I was saying before about I, I want to do this, and you kind of miss whatever you're in, whatever. I think many times we give ourselves value. If I'm to get that, then I have value. Yeah. Rather, and we put so much identity on getting that, which I did being in New York, like getting a show. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, even though I wouldn't say it, I think there was a part of me that was like, I will have value then. I will, I, my, identity, my identity was so wrapped up in that. And that's almost like a waking ourselves up to, oh, no, you each, we all have value now. We have tremendous value yeah, outside you, of all yeah. this stuff that we're doing. You, you, no matter what you do or no matter how much you succeed, you still have the same baggage no matter what like nothing no material thing fixes you you still have to figure out how to be okay with yourself and then you know guys that you talk to you know guys we've talked had on the podcast chapter like, 10 of the myra method says electric guitars will fix you <laughs> buy as many as you want <laughs> fill the, chapter 11 they don't work fill the hole using a vintage rickenbacker as a shovel <laughs> uh 
but Cut to a picture of ten credit cards maxed out. <laughs> but guy, guy, people, people we've had on the podcast that I, I have tremendous respect for, whose careers I think are great, who seem to do like whatever they want and seem happy, like guys like Brian Cranston or Will Ferrell or whatever. Like they just seem like, you know, when I go, oh, do you feel anxious about stuff? They're like, eh, not really. Like they just seem like, oh, they're pretty well-adjusted guys. Yeah. And I think you know, on a certain level. People pick up on that when they watch them, and that's why you kind of can't take your eye. I think that's one of the things that makes a person kind of magnetic and draw you in is that they seem like they've figured something out. Yeah. And that thing that they figured out is like they're just comfortable with themselves, which is a crazy concept yeah. to a I, lot of I people. Think I would agree with that. I think there are obviously things that they're probably not comfortable with themselves like anybody yeah but i think it's through life's lessons and probably being in this business a long time and making choices healthy choices you do they probably come to a place where it's like i've given a lot of energy to stuff that does not matter right and even though that doesn't change overnight but there's an awareness of it of like hmm that's interesting I yeah. to, i'm gonna start making some different choices my dad always says don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff <laughs> It's my dad's. It's nice. It's my dad's logic. Billy Hardwick logic. Don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. Where does he live? Uh, well, mostly in Memphis and partially in Florida. Partial. What, what part of Florida? Bradenton, the humid. Right part. outside of Tampa. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right outside of Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> do you Great. go back? Do you go down there a lot? No, because uh, I, I visit my dad in Memphis uh-huh. because I know people there, and right, right. you know my uh, my dad's owned a bowling center there for thirty years, and so when I go, oh, wow. it's like. It, it, I get to go kind of where I grew up, yeah. and when I would visit him in Florida, it, there what you know we would just kind of sit in the house, yeah, yeah. and it, if and most of the time it's oppressively hot outside, yeah. and so you don't yeah. really want to go anywhere, yeah. And there's Dairy Queen, there is a DQ on yeah. every corner. Steak and Shake also, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Steak <laughs> and Shakes are all over the place. Love it. And Cracker Barrels, there's Cracker yeah, Barrels in yeah. Florida, a lot of Cracker Barrels. Yeah. And so uh, you know, so now I go visit, I, you know, I go visit my dad in Memphis, which is which feels a little more like like home. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it was just yeah, I don't know. Yeah. F- Florida, I, I lived in in Miami. My mom's from Miami, so it's mm. a little bit in grade school. I, I did it for six days. <laughs> he moved to Florida for six days and hated it so much he moved back to no, Boston. No, you're lying. I'm not lying. Wait, when was this? Uh, 2004. And you went with a friend, or you I went, went? My entire family moved down to Florida. Okay. And I, uh, I was 21, and I was like, "Well, I should probably finish school. Well, maybe I'll transfer to UCF." So I was going to go transfer yeah, to yeah. University of Central Florida, and uh, got there, and I just found the heat so oppressive, yeah. and just the, just you know, something really bothered me about Florida, which was it's so flat. There's no feature yeah. to the landscape other than it being flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the humidity was ridiculous, and I found myself. It was the middle of the summer, and I found myself just driving to the Barnes and Noble, which was next to a uh, Jesus Christ Superstore. Okay, that's, that's the name of it. Amazing. That's the name of it. And uh, <laughs> oh man, <I'm>, that's <laughs> phenomenal. On the third day, who in the world do you think you are? <laughs> Sorry, was it uh, a Christian bookstore? No, it was a, it was a it, you could get anything anything you wanted. You get a statue, you get a candle, you get a oh, book. But it was all religious a, stuff. Yeah, but it was of course. all religious stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see. Uh, but you know, Jesus Christ, unbelievable. Uh, I, I think went, there's actually a Christian theme park down there as well. Oh yeah, yeah, I think there is too. Yeah, yeah but like it was just it, it, I just sort of looked around and I was like, this is what I'd be in for if I were to stay here. And yeah. then I just drove back home and I was like, Mom, buy did you go up to Panama ticket. City to the Redneck Riviera? Oh, show? I've been to Panama oh, City. Didn't get up there. I personally love Florida. I think it's, I mean, it's, uh, 
it's not rolling hills, but there's something yeah. I guess being raised there. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love me a good mall. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, I love Panama good, City. I remember. I love a food court. They've also mastered air conditioning. Like, oh, they to the point where you have to have a, it. It's like Texas. You need a you jacket. Have a jacket. You need a jacket. You. It's fucking blazing hot outside, and you go <laughs> and you're like, now all the sweat is freezing on, is yeah. beating on my body. But that does happen. That's extra cooling, though. Yeah. <laughs> but when yeah. I, uh, but I, but when we, uh, you know, MTV, we used to do the spring breaks in Panama City. And so you'd, we'd go to Panama City, Florida, and my, the thing that the memory that I have of Panama City was just how great the Dave Matthews Band was. <laughs> I, had, I had lunch with them one day. I had lunch with the Dave Matthews Band. Sad. Boy Tinsley started following me on Twitter yesterday. He's the uh, violin player. Oh, that's anyway. sweet. Anyway, um, <laughs> but what I remember about Panama City was uh, <laughs> welcome to our world, Tony. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I Waffle House. Waffle House Strip Club, Waffle House Strip Club, Waffle yeah. House Strip Club. Yeah. Strip Club Waffle House. And then Strip Club Waffle House. And probably a lot of the Waffle House workers probably worked at the Strip Club. Or a Strip Waffle House. Yeah, never which know. Would be <laughs> which, I mean, it probably exists. Where you, oh, the I'm top sure. comes off and then I'm the waffles sure. are right there. All right, and that doesn't exist. What? But, you know, where you could get a Do good waffle. Do you know that? I don't for know for fact. sure. That's a place you would have ended up in eighth grade on a field trip. Myra Method tells me. <laughs> Skittles. <laughs> Skittles. Where is Skittles? Do you know something? If you're out there, Skittles. I bet you I could get you. I bet you I could help you get a book deal to write an anti self help book. Oh, I'm on board. (laughs) So people, you know, you could start a whole trend where people would walk into a bookstore if they still exist in the near future and go, "Excuse me, where's the self destruction section?" (laughs) Oh, you want the Myra method? The Myra method. This is the only one you need. This is the only one you need. It's like an immediate. Oh, the Myra method. This way. Take Santa Monica Boulevard. That's the Listen, you're already a ticking time bomb. I'm just going to give you an LED screen so you can see when it's going to happen. Oh, God. <laughs> what a delight. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to write a book? Have you ever thought about writing a book? No. I haven't. I have never. No, I haven't. I do want to. I do want to write a book. That's a, I don't know what it would be. The like. idea started today. Yeah. Yep, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Any other city you think you'd want to live in ever? Uh, Prague. Why I say Prague? I don't know. <laughs> Prague. I would actually. Um, mm, I don't know. I really love in L.A. right now. Yeah. I love. Uh, we live. I really just really like it. So I don't know if there's. Fair to say you hate New York City. It's cold and it's damp. Uh, <laughs> Chicago, where the wind blows. Yes. Anyway, I don't remember the rest of the. But I was there. Myself. I was in New York for eight years, and um, I love visiting. I it's. I don't know if I'd want to live there again, yeah. but I really enjoy visiting. I just. Li- I like the weather here. I love California because I yeah. ne- before this I never lived in California. So I really like it. It is good. I mean, you know, sometimes the heat gets to me. Here? I get angry at the sun sometimes. <laughs> That's in Meyer Method, Chapter 12. Wait, where were you raised? The sun. Boston. Okay. Yeah. So you miss seasons. I do miss seasons very much. I miss the fall. Yeah. But I will say this. January, like end of December to the end of February, it's kind of can feel like fall sometimes here. I, d- I like seasons to a, I, to a degree. But when I just performed in Denver, we landed in a snowstorm on Wednesday, May 1st. Mm. And then the next day, it was like sunny and 50 degrees, which is gorgeous there. And when we picked up the rental car, there was... it was this big giant SUV that we ended up swapping out for something else. But all this snow had come into the car through some crack in the... some. I mean, maybe the windows are cracked. I don't know. But basically, when we opened the door, there was all this snow in the car. And so when I went back to the counter, I was... I, I must have looked like the biggest fucking piece of shit Los Angeles person where I go um, I want to trade my car and there's snow in the car and <laughs> something's the, very cold in something's the car. and the guy goes 
yeah, it's Denver. And I go, I'm not dumb. I know that it's snowing outside right now, but there's something weird about the car. <laughs> it's coming in certain ways. It's getting in <laughs> somehow. It's like that Forrest Gump rain, you know, when it goes sideways. Yeah. <laughs> Something's happening in the snow. It comes it's underneath. <laughs> you have some kind of specter snow. <laughs> Your snow can temporarily just change its matter and go through doors. Now I don't know if the last I don't know if the last customer was a snowman. And I want to live seas. here now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if your last customer was that kid's father that died, you know, Jack Frost. But <laughs> when I hear some, when I some, but I would believe it. When I hear some people in Los Angeles go like, you know, I really miss seasons, and I want to go. But you don't really. What you want is New York in the fall. Like, but you don't That's, want, yeah. you know, you don't want like you don't Minnesota want sneeze subway seasons. Subway hot in New York. Right. It's just horrible. Oh, the humidity in New York can be unbearable too. But but you're like right. The fall is the fall is amazing. I I like the winter too. I like a good snowstorm because there's always there was always something for me. As a child that was just very calming about the snow. Mm. And when it snows and there's a coating and you walk outside, it, yeah. it literally dampens all the sound. So it's just this yeah, nice it lull. You're right. You want that feeling of the last scene of Home Alone where it's already happened. Yeah. And it's a nice blanket of snow, but not navigating in yeah, yeah. the... Cut to all those PAs that were making that snow look so, so smooth. <laughs> no one can step on it for days. CGI. That house was uh, for sale. I wonder if it sold. The, uh, the Home house Alone in Illinois. House? That, yeah, the whole, it was the Illinois. Home. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, because it was John Hughes. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think the house was going for like one and a half million. Shermer, Illinois. Yeah. Or I don't know if that was in Shermer, but a lot of know, movies yeah, took but, place yeah. in Shermer. Um, is there anything? Okay, so Sanjay Craig, May twenty fifth, Arrest Development. Are they, releasing, are they are releasing all the episodes at once? Yeah, they're uh, gonna dump it. They're gonna what? They're gonna dump it. Yep, they're gonna dump it on May twenty sixth, and then Veep is airing on Sunday nights at uh, ten. You are all over the place, Tony Hale. So grateful. Get your get <laughs> so your dragon and grateful. titties in, then you watch some comedy, you have a good night. <laughs> but the Myra method suggested it's not everything that you had hoped it would be. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it still isn't. <laughs> What yeah. I need you to understand with the Meyer method is how things can go wrong. No, you're like, what I need to understand that negative way of thinking. Stay in it. <laughs> Don't leave. Give in to it. Give in. It will feed you. <laughs> you have a basically a TARDIS hole that can never be filled. That's right. Well, no, guys, I, I'm pretty happy. Uh, we're we're all having fun here. The method, uh, what's what's the, the what's the show that you would say gets you giddy uh, five minutes before it comes on? For him, it's got to be Frasier. No, that comes on anytime I want it, so I'd yeah. be constantly giddy. <laughs> but it's, it's a show airing now, like it's uh, a show that you haven't seen each episode. Honestly, for me, it's a, it's a, when there's a new Kitchen Nightmare sitting on my DVR. Wow. I'm like, how's he going to do this now? Wait, <laughs> wait, is Kitchen Nightmares, that's Gordon Ramsay yeah, still, right? Yeah, yeah. And is that when he goes into a new kitchen and tries to transform it? That's when he goes in and fixes a restaurant, yeah. 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 What's yours? Uh, wait, I want to find out yours first. Um, my well, my, I mean, I have a I have a bunch that I get excited about. All right, let's pick one that isn't The Walking Dead. Okay. Um, Doctor Who or Game of Thrones? Uh, okay. Wait, Doctor Who, uh, the new? Yeah, yeah. A uh, Game of Thrones, I get excited about. I even get a little, I even get a little giddy about True Blood because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, I started watching a little bit of True Blood. I, I, I'm not from the beginning. I kind of catch it here and there and i love that whole kind of making a whole i mean i'm saying stuff that you guys already know but that whole making a town accept it like the whole like a convenience store that sells that, that whole, sells true blood, true yeah, blood. Like, I, the whole thing is just 
Did it start that way or did it become? It The show started as really more of a, it's Alan Ball, and it started more as like, I, I, I think, a like an allegory maybe for intolerance. Uh-huh. And so there was not a lot of hocus pocus in the show in the first handful of episodes. Huh, it was okay. just a lot of like basically, you know, this southern town sort of treating vampires the way they would, what I assume the way they would, you know, a minority or gay people yeah, yeah, or you yeah, know, it was just yeah. like intolerance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at some point someone was like, "Well, the show's about vampires. You probably should have." And then within a season, fucking everyone was some kind of magical creature. Yeah. And it was all about that. And I think what I like about the show is that it's so ridiculous. It's such a soap opera. Mm-hmm. But it just happens to be a soap opera about vampires. I mean, like the show has no, you know, it's not well, I like th- I think every show has magical creatures because we're all just magical creatures. We are magical. Humans, you know? Well, there was that f- there. I did see the one where there was uh, uh, fairies or some kind of there was like yeah. a whole fairy community. Oh, yeah. There was a fairy community. Then, there was a weird panther community. But then the guy who's the lead empire uh, vampire and somehow the, the fairy got out of its magical realm and he could see her because he came to eat her fairies. And I'm telling you, he demolished this woman. Oh, you're talking about like the the older guy who played. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, Russell Edgington. I can't remember the actor's <clears throat> name, but he's a fucking great actor. He's an amazing actor. Um, he was coming to hunt fairies. Yes. And they were in their magical disappeared land. Yeah. Yeah. And then somehow she came out and was not. She, he could see her. Yeah. And he ripped fucking her. Fucking destroyed apart. her. She exploded. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because fairy blood to vampires is like crack, yeah, and it like helps the them. It helps them be a little uh, resistant to daylight. Oh, that's nice to know. Yeah, in this in this uh, in this iteration, I good information. His, his name's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't think what it is. Anyways, uh, William Forsythe. It's, it's not William Forsythe. You sure? Okay. I'm positive it's not William Forsythe. Well, what's your what's your show, Tony? Uh, I what's my? Show? <laughs> I love that I ask the question and I forget my own. Um, I will say we just stopped, we just finished watching it. I mean, of course, I love me some Veep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I just finished House of Cards. Oh, you do uh, like House of Cards? I haven't I seen really, it yet. I really, really enjoyed it. I think um, Kevin Spacey is obviously fantastic, but Robin Wright Penn, man, unbelievable. I thought She's she great. was fantastic. She is great. That's it's so. I love how they came up with that show. I it's need really dark. I need to have shows that are a little detached. Which is one of the reasons why I think I like all you know fantasy realm yeah, yeah, shows yeah. because I can't you know re- real drama really uh, I can't I can't shake the emotion. That's a great point because my wife always laughs at me because I have a difficult time watching Homeland. I have a difficult time because there's a part of me that's like or 24 even. I remember she was in 24 and I was like, guess what, guys? That's probably happening somewhere. <laughs> so I'm just not that entertained by the depth of sorrow that's in front of yeah, me right yeah. now. You know, it's it's hard for me to shake. Some people can love it. I, it makes me really, I, I have a hard time kind of almost like disengaging from it. That's why, you know, like every show that I like has it all seems to have some type of detached from reality kind yeah, of a like lost i loved lost lost or battlestar yeah, yeah, or yeah, you yeah. know like i said game of thrones and doctor who like they're all yeah, shows yeah. where you're like ah but or, or even walking dead like oh there's drama but that's not gonna happen it's all not you know yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very hard for me to watch you know shows like 
you know, like even like in watching episodes of Breaking Bad, I take that show really hard. Like it's mm-hmm. it, it really just fucking scrubs on I'd my soul. I'd like to hear you talk about that for about an hour after the show airs. <laughs> I wonder if that could happen. Well, um, uh, Tony, thank you for being here. Um, thank you. Sorry, so half hour, half hour, <laughs> not an hour. The Myra Method will be in stores in 2015. Oh yes. If you follow yes. Chapter 15 of the Myra Method, I'll never write the book. <laughs> I never got there. (laughs) It's just the first page is chapter 15. I never wrote it. Sorry, guys. Introduction. Congratulations, you purchased the Myra method. Now put it down because you're never going to apply any of these principles. Uh, is there any? Is there anything you want to throw out? Any kind of little uh, that you're allowed? Any kind of spoilery thing you're allowed? Not spoilery, but any oh, kind yeah. of thing that we can. Oh, can I ask questions and then you can just say yes or no? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or any. Okay. So this could be a spoilery thing for. Yeah, but anyway. Well, let's just see. Uh, is the model home set back? So like, I don't even know are they in the model home? <laughs> oh, uh, in my, oh, I don't know. I can't. You don't know. I don't know. Here's the deal. This is, I genuinely, my yes is going to be yes. My no is going to be no kids. Oh, yeah. shit. Right. We already said um, we're going to back around. But I genuinely don't know. Okay. I really don't know. Uh, Lucille's penthouse. Is that set Lucille's, standing? Yes. Yes. Okay. Lucille's penthouse is there. Great. Uh, let's see. Uh, the, your hand is still missing. Yep. Hook. Yeah, there is a hook. Okay. Uh, Anyang? I can't imagine Anyang would be back. Mm, don't know. <laughs> oh. I'm going to give you an I don't know on that one. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. This is, this is funny because obviously I've gotten this question a lot. And um, I remember, I always think about because I brought up Lost. I remember watching Lost and seeing in the press the word flash forward. And I hadn't seen the rest of the episodes. And so then when it did flash forward, there was a scene, I don't know if you remember, when Jack is in a flash forward mm-hmm. and he's, Kate gets out of the car, but you don't know it's Kate. Yes, by yeah. the airport. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I had seen the word flash forward in the press like the day before because the episodes had already aired and I was watching them late. And so when I saw that scene, I was like, that's Kate. And I missed that moment where everybody else was uh, like, that's crazy. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had seen that word. So since then, I'm like really careful. Isn't it amazing how fucking spoilers are like, like the, uh, not having something not spoiled and experiencing a moment is like heroin for people now. Oh, yeah. And they get like, we're crazy zombies for not for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and if you do take that away from someone, they want to fucking murder you. <laughs> well, I remember, like, I mean, this goes back, but that ending on Sixth Sense, I'll never forget that. I mean, that took me for a ride. And I think if somebody had told me the ending, I'd have been really bummed. Yeah. You know, because that was for me. a mat. It was ruined for yeah, you? Yeah. Did we talk uh, about this before? How when I went to see The Crying Game, I was on a first date with a girl. We're sitting down, the lights dim, previews. The credits start coming up on Crying Game, and she's like, I can't believe it turns out to be a dude. And I'm like, what? Oh, what? And we're leaving. I still made out with her. (laughs) Yeah, the Myra method, chapter 16. (laughs) But I don't think it went very well because halfway through through the making out with her, (laughs) chapter 17, (laughs) it didn't go well. (laughs) She said, halfway through making out with her, and, and of course, like I'm high fiving myself and saying, "Like, oh my god, this girl I really liked is totally making out with me. I'm winning." And then halfway through, she was like, uh, "I should probably tell you that I am seeing someone, and um, I gotta go." Wait, hold on. That's when you just kind of go back to the fact. Why did you make the choice? 
Why did she spoil the crying game for me? Yes, yeah. Why was your yes not yes, and your no not like not that? (laughs) That sounds horrible, but it's like why did she? uh, Why did she even say I will go on a date with you if she was dating somebody else? I don't know. I should probably track her down on Facebook and find out. That's 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 just incredibly manipulative. I think. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It was not. uh, I did not have a great experience with that girl. It's actually chapter eight. Tracking them down on Facebook. Oh, good. Got it. Um, cool, man. Thanks. Good to Thank see you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, it was really fun. Enjoy Rudo, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.